0: Chapter Seventeen, Part One of *The Swiss Family Robinson*. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. *The Swiss Family Robinson* by Johann R. Weiss. Chapter Seventeen, Part One. The mother and Franz, though somewhat startled by the unexpected absence of Fritz, were delighted to see us return safely and listened with eager interest to our adventures. My wife shuddered, and scarcely suppressed an involuntary scream, as she heard of our desperate encounter with the lion and his mate. Jack's danger and providential escape, too, made her tremble, and so pale did he still look that she could scarcely believe he was uninjured. Tears came into Franz's eyes when he heard of the sad death of poor old Juno, and he inquired most tenderly whether her remains had been brought back. "'that they might be interred near the house which had been her home for so many years. "'Next day he saw her buried carefully, and Ernest, at his request, produced an epitaph, "'which was inscribed upon a slab of stone above her grave. "'Juno, a servant true lies here, a faithful friend, a dog, to all most dear, "'who met her end fighting right bravely in her master's cause.' The flesh of the wild boar and the truffles were handed over to the mother, who received them with delight, promising us therefrom many a savoury dish. She would fain have had the boar's head, too, but my word was pledged to Ernest that it should adorn his museum, and, though my lips watered to taste it baked in hottentot fashion, I would not break my promise. This splendid head, therefore, together with the lion's skins, we carried to the tannery on Whale Island. "'where they were cleaned and dressed. Five days passed, but Fritz still remained absent. "'I could not conceal my anxiety, "'and at length determined to follow him. "'All were delighted at the proposal, "'and even the mother, when she heard that we were to sail in the pinnace, "'agreed to accompany us. "'The boat was stored, and on a bright morning with a favourable breeze "'we five, with the dogs, stepped aboard, and ran for Cape Minster.' our beautiful little yacht bounded over the water gaily, and the bright sunshine and delicious sea-breeze put us all in the highest spirits. The entrance of the archway was in sight, and thither I was directing the boat's course. Suddenly, right ahead, I saw a dark and shadowy mass just below the surface of the water. A sunken rock, I thought to myself, and yet it is strange that I never before noticed it. I put down the helm in a moment, "'but a catastrophe seemed inevitable. "'We surged ahead, a slight shock, and all was over. "'The danger was past. "'I glanced astern to look again at the dangerous spot, "'but the rock was gone, and, where but a moment before "'I had distinctly seen its great green shadow, "'I could now see nothing. "'Before we had recovered from our amazement, "'a shout from Jack surprised me. "'There is another,' he exclaimed, "'to starboard, father!' Sure enough, there lay, apparently, another sunken rock. "'The rock is moving!' shouted Franz, and a great black body emerged from the sea, while from the upper extremity rushed a column of water, which, with a mighty noise, rose upward, and then fell like rain all around. The mystery was explained, for as the great beast emerged yet further from the water, I recognized, from its enormous size and great length of head, the cachalot whale.' The monster was apparently enraged at the way we had scratched his back, for, retreating to a short distance, he evidently meditated a rush upon us. Fearful stories occurred to me of the savage temper of this whale, how he has been known to destroy boat after boat, and even ships, and with a feeling of desperation I sprang to one of the guns. Jack leaped to the other, and almost simultaneously we fired. Both shots apparently took effect, for the whale— after lashing the water violently for a few seconds, plunged beneath its surface and disappeared. We kept a sharp lookout for him, for I was unwilling to lose such a valuable prize, and, reloading, stood toward the shore, in which direction he was apparently making. Presently we again sighted him in shallow water, lashing fearfully with his tail, and dyeing the waves around him with blood. Approaching the infuriate animal as nearly as I dared, "'we again fired.' "'The struggles of the whale seemed for a few moments "'to become even yet more frantic, "'and then, with a quiver from head to tail, "'he lay motionless, dead. "'The boys were about to raise the cry of victory, "'but checked the shout upon their very lips, "'for, darting behind a rock, "'they espied a canoe paddled by a tall and muscular savage, "'who now stood up in his skiff "'and appeared to be examining us attentively.' Seeing that we were standing toward him, the swarthy native seized his paddle, and again darted behind a rock. An awful thought now took possession of me. There must be a tribe of blacks lurking on these shores, and Fritz must have fallen into their hands. We, however, I determined, should not be easily taken, and our guns were loaded and run out. Presently a dusky face appeared, peeping at us from a lofty rock— It vanished, and we saw another peeping at us from lower down. Then again the skiff put out as though to make a further reconnoitre. All, even Jack, looked anxious, and glanced at me for orders. "'Hoist a white flag,' said I, and hand me the speaking-trumpet.' I seized the instrument and uttered such peaceable words in the Malay language as I could recall. Neither the flag nor my words seemed to produce any effect, and the savage was about to return to the shore.' "'Jack, hereupon, lost patience, and in his turn took up the trumpet. "'Come here, you black son of a gun!' he exclaimed. "'Come on board and make friends, or we'll blow you and your—' "'Stop, stop, you foolish boy!' I said. "'You will but alarm the man with your wild words and gestures.' "'No, but see,' he cried, "'he is paddling toward us.' And sure enough the canoe was rapidly approaching. Presently a cry from Franz alarmed me. "'Look, look!' he shrieked. "'The villain is in Fritz's kayak. "'I can see the walrus's head.' "'Ernest alone remained unmoved. "'He took the speaking-trumpet. "'Fritz, ahoy!' he shouted. "'Welcome, old fellow.' "'The words were scarcely out of his mouth "'when I, too, recognized the well-known face "'beneath its dusky disguise. "'In another minute the brave boy was on board, "'and in spite of his blackened face "'was kissed and welcomed heartily.' He was now assailed with a storm of questions from all sides. Where had he been? What had kept him so long, and why had he turned blackamoor? The last question, replied he with a smile, is the only one I will now answer. The others shall be explained when I give a full account of my adventures. Hearing guns fired, my mind was instantly filled with ideas of Malay pirates, for I never dreamed that you could be here in the yacht, so i disguised myself as you now see me and came forth to reconnoitre when you addressed me in Malay, you only added to my terror for it left not a doubt in my mind that you were pirates having in our turn described to him our adventure with the cachalot whale i asked him if he knew of a suitable spot for the anchorage of the yacht certainly he replied casting toward me a glance full of meaning i can lead you to an island where there is a splendid anchorage and which is itself well worth seeing, for it contains all sorts of strange things. And after removing the stains from his skin, and turning himself once more into a civilized being, he again sprang into his canoe, and piloted us to a picturesque little island in the bay. Now that there could be no doubt as to the success of Fritz's expedition, I no longer hesitated to give my wife an account of his project, and to prepare her mind for the surprise which awaited her. She was greatly startled, as I expected, and seemed almost overcome with emotion at the idea of seeing a human being, and that being one of her own sex. "'But why,' she asked, "'did you not tell me of this at first? Why wait until the last moment with such joyful news?' "'I was unwilling,' I replied, "'to raise hopes which might never be realized, but now, thank heaven, he has succeeded, and there is no need for concealment.' the boys could not at all understand the evident air of mystery and suppressed excitement which neither their mother fritz nor i could entirely conceal they cast glances of the greatest curiosity toward the island and as soon as the sails were furled and the anchor dropped they sprang eagerly ashore in a body we followed fritz maintaining perfect silence presently we emerged from the thicket through which we were passing and saw before us a hut of sheltering boughs at the entrance of which burned a cheerful fire. Into this leafy bower Fritz dived, leaving his brothers without, mute with astonishment. In another moment he emerged, leading by the hand a slight, handsome youth, by his dress apparently a young English naval officer. The pair advanced to meet us, and Fritz, with a countenance radiant with joy, briefly introduced his companion as Edward Montrose. And, he continued, looking at his mother and me, will you not welcome him as a friend and a brother to our family circle? "'That we will indeed!' I exclaimed, advancing and holding out my hands to the fair young stranger. "'Our wild life may have roughened our looks and manners, but it has not hardened our hearts, I trust.' The mother, too, embraced the seeming youth most heartily. The lads, and even the dogs, were not behindhand in testifying their gratification at the appearance of their new friend, the former delighted at the idea of a fresh companion, and the latter won by her sweet voice and appearance. From the expression made use of by Fritz, I perceived that the girl wished her sex to remain unrevealed to the rest of the party, until the mother could obtain for her a costume more suited to her real character.' the young men then ran down to the yacht to bring up what was necessary for supper as well as to make preparations for a camp in which we might spend the night this done the mother hastened to set before us a substantial meal while the boys anxious to make their new acquaintance feel at home among them were doing their best to amuse her She herself after the first feeling of strangeness had worn off entered fully into all their fun and by the time they sat down to supper was laughing and chattering as gaily as any one of the rest she admired the various dishes tasted our mead and without alluding once to her previous life kept up a lively conversation the mere fact of meeting with any human being after so many years of isolation was in itself sufficient to raise the boys to the greatest state of excitement. But that this being should be one so handsome, so gay, so perfectly charming, seemed completely to have turned their heads. And when I gave the sign for breaking up of the feast, and their new friend was about to be led to the night-quarters which had been prepared for her on board the yacht, the health of Edward Montrose was proposed, and drank in fragrant mead, amid the cheers and exclamations of all hands. When she was gone, and silence had been restored, Jack exclaimed, "'Now then, Fritz, if you please, just tell me where you came across this jolly fellow. Did you take your mysterious voyage in search of him, or did you meet him by chance? Out with your adventures while we sit comfortably round the fire.' So saying, Jack cast more wood upon the blazing pile, and throwing himself down in his usual careless fashion, prepared to listen attentively. End of chapter seventeen part one read by Kara Schallenberg on august seventh two thousand nine in San Diego, California